Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Man, good morning. Good to be back home with you last Sunday morning at 8 o'clock in Zambrano, Honduras. Uh, I got to watch the service, and it was almost as good as being here. Not quite. There's no place like home. Anyhow, it's good to be home. I left the team, and they'll be back tomorrow night around midnight-ish. And uh, so be praying over them, because they'll all go to work on Tuesday knowing them. And, uh, but they represented you well and uh, have done an amazing job Wednesday night. Right here during our uh, spring seed offering, we'll receive the team back and also show a little video that I got to watch um, right before I left to come that Pastor Sal made for them. So it'll show you guys what all your husbands, brothers, fathers, and friends did representing you. And uh, two new roofs completely finished, amazing, in four days. And that, that wasn't just putting the roof on, that was taking it off uh, first and then uh, putting uh, new wood where all the rotten wood was and spraying wasps by the uh, hundreds and, and big black ants by the bazillions. <laughs> Two nights in a row uh, with the roof over my head without the uh, top part of it on. Uh, I was laying in bed reading the first night, and I just closed my book, turned my light off, and it was pitch black when I felt something fall on my head. I squealed like a, I'm not going to say girl, I squealed like a scared me, flipped the light on, looked for it, then the next night, Right as I was going to sleep, I heard I grabbed my flashlight and I'm reminded me of Pastor Ed one time when we were never mind. Anyhow, I was looking for that bird or bat or whatever it was, and man, I just heard it flapping. I could not go to sleep. Then all of a sudden I heard and it was a rat. Chasing the bird <laughs> above my head. And Jimmy and Jessica said, welcome to our life. Man, oh man. I, sl- I went to sleep praying in tongues, woke up praying in tongues. It was, uh, wow. I was so glad to get home Friday night to my bed. So quiet and peaceful. Anyhow, it's good to be home. Thank you for your prayers. And I want to jump into this word this morning. So let's pray. Father, bless you. Thank you for your provision in our life, your goodness, your salvation, your mercy. Father, all the amazing things that have been passed down to us because of Jesus Christ, we give thanks and praise today. We do lift up our team that's still in Honduras and pray today as they're finishing up all of their work you would keep them safe, bring them home safe tomorrow night. We give you thanks for the blessing that this house has 
uh, got to be to Pastor Jimmy and Jessica and all the team there on that mountain. So I bless you today. Thank you for the opportunity to preach your word, declare it to be Father anointed by you to touch all of us, to encourage, strengthen, build up, edify us to be about your business. As we walk out of here today, I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. Welcome to uh, Palm Sunday. For those of you that don't really know what Palm Sunday is, uh, it is the uh, telling, basically, out of the New Testament of Jesus entering into Jerusalem and being greeted by the people waving palm branches. That's why we call it Palm Sunday. The week before Jesus went to the cross, uh, before he died for our sins, before he was resurrected for our benefit, uh, the people were rejoicing. And uh, as you read through the Gospels, the four accounts of uh, the last week of Jesus' life, uh, I don't know how you react to it. It always stirs me to wonder how one moment it says almost all of Jerusalem was celebrating the Christ as he came in. The Pharisees and the Sadducees cried out and complained, why don't you make them stop? And Jesus said, if they stop, then the rocks will start crying out. And then just several days later, uh, you see Jesus going to the cross uh, by himself. And uh, it seemed like the whole city had turned against him. And so, uh, this is an important week, obviously, in the Christian church. And um, let me just uh, pause and say uh, real quick, I am so in the midst of all the craziness of our nation. The church in America is amazing. When I was uh, at the airport a week ago Friday at 5 o'clock in the morning, I turned around. There was a young man standing there with a small group, and, and uh, I perceived immediately that he was a believer, and uh, so I greeted him, and uh, I know that surprises you all that I would talk to a perfect stranger, but uh, I greeted him and found out he pastors a church out in La Crosse, and they were taking a team of five to Haiti, so we were on the same flight, flew into Miami, said our goodbyes, they went their way, I went mine, and then uh, this Friday, as I was on my uh, venture home, uh, left Jimmy's house about 9.30 in the morning, flew into Gainesville at 12.05 Saturday morning, and, uh, and then it took about an hour to get luggage. I think they walk them backwards from the airplane to, <laughs> to the baggage claim in Gainesville. Somebody with a gift of administration needs to go out there and just help them a little bit. It's been a 30-year deal. Uh, but anyhow, when I got to the airport in uh, uh, Honduras, I began to notice all of these Americans. And uh, so, again, I struck up a conversation with a young lady. Uh, they had a group of 23 young people uh, from Louisville, Kentucky, and they had been working um, on their spring break on a missions trip for a week. And uh, so we had a great talk about what they had done, what, what our team was doing. And then when I got on the plane, I saw all these uh, white American men and uh, perceived again that they were more than likely uh, 
doing missions work. So I ended up sitting down by two of them and uh, actually surrounded by 13 of them and uh, found out as we, I began to talk to young man Greg next to me that they were from a church in Jacksonville, Alabama, and they were there. He said, probably hadn't heard anything like this, but we, we've been here all week putting a roof on a church. And so I laughed and told him about our group. We started sharing pictures. And I said, are you sure you didn't come by our place and take pictures? Because they look just like our pictures and our guys. Anyhow, I was so impressed with them. And uh, nine of the 13 had never been out of the country before. So they were pumped. They were excited. And, and, uh, and, and then we flew into Miami. And it seemed like there were a bazillion missionaries <laughs> coming home from all over the world through Miami airport uh, at four o'clock in the afternoon, six o'clock in the afternoon. And it blessed me because God loves the people of the world. And he loves the hurting, he loves the lost, he loves the poor, he loves the down and outers, he loves the up and outers. He loves his children. And I am still convinced that the blessing that's on our nation is because of our heart for the world. And can I just tell you what Pastor Jimmy and Jessica are doing uh, on top of that mountain in Zambrano? It is truly amazing. And the fruit of their children is, if I could bring kids home and adopt them, I would bring them home from there. They're just amazing kids. The first two days I was there, two little sisters, they look like twins. They're, they, they don't know uh, exact, they don't know their birthdays. They don't know exactly. They were found as babies, to, uh, tiny babies, toddlers in an abandoned house. And uh, I remember over the last few visits there, as I watched these little girls grow until now they're, uh, they think, maybe six and eight or seven and nine. And uh, they have no, no papers, no birth certificate, nothing. They just had to guess. And uh, so they gave them both the same birthday so they could celebrate uh, together every year. But uh, their name is Anna uh, and Miracle. And... Um, they spent two and a half days uh, at the house, uh, Jimmy and Jessica's house, and uh, they, they just uh, won my heart. But they, they're super shy, and they can speak English, but they're shy to do it. So it took a little while to break through the ice, and, and they wanted to, uh, every time they walked in, they wanted my phone. They're just like American kids. <laughs> and they wanted my iWatch. And one of them would be on my phone, the other would be on my watch, and they messed up my watch and my phone so bad. I was like, y'all got to stop. Man, it, it wasn't doing anything right. But, but they, they uh, we were sitting at the table having breakfast, and uh, Jessica was telling me about how they found these little girls. And, and so she, she grabs her phone, she says, let me show you the pictures where we found them. So she pulls up this just... Um, no words to explain what this place looked like. And so the girls, Anna goes, I want to see, I want to see. And Miracle goes, oh, is that where you found us? We were poor. <laughs> and then the other one goes, yeah, but now we're rich. <laughs> they live in a girl's home. 
Mama Jay and Jimmy are the closest thing to a father and mother they have. They're surrounded by brothers and sisters. But they're whole. They're healthy. They don't need a child psychologist. They don't need a psychiatrist. They, they have been healed through family. Amen? We need the same kind of family in America, and I am incredibly appreciative of the goodness of God uh, that what he has uh, done and is continuing to do in our nation. And I believe if we'll continue to be faithful to go into all the world, um, we will continue to see that blessing on our lives. I want to talk to you this morning uh, out of a title that I've never used before in my life, Prepare the Way. I've been meditating on... Uh, John the Baptist and his life, obviously we know that John and Jesus were first cousins, and yet uh, it's very interesting in a couple of the writings of the Gospels where it says that it records that John declared that he did not know Jesus. And he wasn't saying that he didn't know Jesus in the flesh, but he didn't know until the appointed time who Jesus was as the Christ and the Savior of the world. And so, as you read the story of uh, John the Baptist, verse 3 of Mark chapter 1, it says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. John comes preaching repentance and he comes preaching and declaring the kingdom of God is at hand and he declares that he is there to prepare the way for the Savior. Mark chapter 1 beginning with verse 1 I want to read you eight verses here it says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ the Son of God as it is written in Isaiah the prophet behold I send my messenger before your face who will Prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey, and he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So as you look at that and meditate on that, realize especially this week as we prepare for our Easter celebration next Sunday and an opportunity all over America and all over the world, people that never, ever, ever go to church more than twice a year will come to an Easter service and or come to a Christmas service. And the truth of the matter is, some of you in this room were those kind of people until at some Easter service you gave your heart to Jesus Christ and your life radically and forever changed. So we need to understand the significance of this week and the preparation of it and uh, the opportunity that we have if we invite folks they'll probably come. So, as we look at John 
And we realize that it was prophesied in the old covenant of the coming of one who would come preparing the way for the Redeemer, the Christ, the Messiah. John was that man. And he acknowledged it, he recognized it, and he gave his life for it. To do what? To prepare the way for Jesus, not his cousin, but Jesus the Christ, to come. Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, verse, beginning with verse 7, says, Then they came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. Now, I want to pause there for a moment and say, John, three years before this Short story in Luke's gospel, chapter 22, took place. John came preparing because the Christ had not been revealed. 22 chapters later, we see that three years have passed. Jesus has done all the miracles that he's going to do. He's raised dead people. He's caused blind uh, eyes to see, deaf ears to be opened, to hear, the lame to walk, the leprous to be cleansed. He interrupted funeral services. He preached the good news of the gospel. He had done it all. And now here he is, the week before his crucifixion, before the realization of what he came to the earth for. And he's with his disciples, and they're heading into Jerusalem. And he says to Peter and John, go and prepare the Passover for us. This is a really important time in the history of the church world and the history of those 12 disciples. They said to him, where will you have us prepare it? Verse 9, he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters. And tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished, prepare it there. And they went and they found it just as Jesus had told them, and they prepared the Passover. So, three years before John comes preaching and declaring and prophesying and acknowledging that he's there for one purpose, and that is to prepare the way for the Messiah. He says, I baptize you with water, but he that's coming after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, with fire, with the ability to have a heavenly language, the ability to be empowered like you never have before in your life. And it is radically important that the church understand the significance of what Jesus prophesied three years before it happened. The necessity that you and I cannot live for God out of our flesh can't just be good enough, can't do good enough, can't earn it, don't deserve it. But because of what Jesus did, not only his death, burial, and resurrection for our salvation, but for the empowering of us as believers, because I want to lay something on you this morning. As John came preparing the way for the Messiah to come, you and I have been commissioned by God, to prepare the way for unbelievers this week 
in this city, in our neighborhood, where we work, where we shop, where we live our lives. We are not called just to be churchgoers on Sunday morning. We're commissioned. I mean, I, I'll never forget the day that when I joined the United States Air Force and went through everything, went all through the examinations and you, you, you went through all the process of uh, being uh, um, scrutinized and according to what job, some of them, so the, my first job that I had, they, they sent out people to go around and find out about me. And, and because I wrote down in my application very honestly that I had smoked dope twice in my life. When it came time for the particular career field job that I was applying for, they said, nope, we don't accept you. And I said, thank you, Jesus, because I didn't want the job in the first place. God had a greater plan. But I'll never forget getting through all that and then standing in that room in Jacksonville, Florida with 47 other American kids, white, black, red, yellow, and polka dotted, I ended up standing by a young man whose name was George. He happened to be black, and he happened to have a fro about this big. I'm standing beside him. My name is George. I have a blonde fro, about eight inches, for those of you that have never seen the pictures. And by the grace of God, you never will. So there was George. And George, standing side by side, and the time came when the colonel walked in, they yelled, a 10, ah! none of us knew what that meant, so we just kind of, you know, trying to find out how to stand. We hadn't been trained yet. We hadn't been commissioned yet. But all of a sudden, that colonel stood before us made us raise our right hand, and he walked us through a swearing in that we would defend our country against all terrorists, foreign and domestic. I'll never forget the sense of, of pride. As I stood there with this other group of young men from all over Florida, and we finished the swearing in, and then we were commissioned as non-commissioned officers. We weren't officers. We were buck nothing. <laughs> in the Air Force, it doesn't start with one stripe. It starts with no stripes. You're called an airman basic. Come on, somebody. That'll just, that'll just excite you, won't it? I'm an airman basic. <laughs> I'm a basic airman with no stripes. But in the next process, we were put on a plane and shipped to Texas. And seven weeks, six weeks later, we were a fine, oiled, ball-headed machine. We looked alike. We dressed alike down to our undies. Green undies, green socks, green fatigues, green t-shirt, green shirt, green hat. <coughs> Baggy, because they didn't fit right. <coughs> and a pair of black boots. But something transpired 
in the group of 48 young men. And six weeks later, as we graduated from boot camp, we said our goodbyes. We were in our dress blues, no stripes, but we were ready to go do what we've been called to do. Hear me, church. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So, can I ask you a question? Are we at the end of the age? No. We're on our way to the end of the age. But we still got work to do. Because you just flip over a page to Acts chapter 1. And you see the disciples as they listen to Jesus' last words and then his command. And then they watch him ascend into heaven. And as he's going, he, he leaves a departing word. And that is, be filled with the Holy Spirit and power. Go and wait for that which you desperately need in your life. Because without it, you'll never accomplish what I've called you to do. So this morning, instead of standing with 47 like-minded young American boys being commissioned in the Air Force, I stand before the body of Christ to remind us that we have also been commissioned not to come back to church next Sunday, but to be the church every single moment of every single day of every single week and be about the Father's business. We're, we're commissioned. This, this week, we need to have the mindset that I'm going to prepare the way for someone who could possibly get saved next Sunday morning. Now, next week, as you know, we're going to have two services, 9 o'clock and 11.15. Pick whichever one you want to come. Hopefully, half of you will be serving one service and enjoying uh, the other service. But our responsibility is not just to put on another Easter show or an Easter cantata, but it's to experience and provide a place where unbelievers can come and experience the full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and their lives be forever marked as a believer. I was looking uh, at the men that are down in Honduras, and we had uh, a total of 19 of us, and five of them were Honduran men uh, that uh, I told you all that story, so I won't go all into it, but were sent to help us, and they were unbelievable. One of them was an older man named Jose. He actually lives here in Gainesville. He asked me the other day, we had a conversation over lunch, and he asked me, uh, can I come visit your church? He was so impressed with these American men that he had been working around. He said, can I come and visit your church? And do you have any Spanish people? <laughs> Latinos. 
Latin. Does anybody talk Spanish? I said, oh, yeah, we, we have a bunch. And I said, we have translation. And he lit up. And he said, then I will come. They pulled up on the day that the other guys arrived last Tuesday. Our guys flew in. And uh, total of about three hours of flying. And as these men drove in about an hour after uh, our guys did and uh, got set up for lunch, we began to hear their story. And they had driven, five of them, in a two-seater white pickup. Not one of the big pickups, the little pickup. that can't pick up much. <laughs> but in this pickup, two of the guys, the older guy, Jose, and the guy who owned the truck drove. The other three precious young men rode in the back of the truck with two ladders and all their luggage for eight hours. When they left Tuesday morning, it was about 45 degrees. And I looked in the back of the truck and there was an old piece of carpet that they had covered themselves up with. They drove for eight hours. As soon as they got there, they ate a quick lunch, and then they said, where do we go? And within minutes, they had started on the girl's house with five of our guys and a bunch of the young men from the rehabilitation center helping them. At about four o'clock, Gabe walked by and I said, Gabe, we should probably Shut down a little early today. You guys are exhausted. Everybody's tired. Get a good night's rest. We start back in the morning. He said, I agree, 4.30. So we worked it out with Jessica and the girls. They were going to fix supper and have supper ready as soon as they finished. So Gabe goes down to tell our Honduran crew that we're going to sh- quit work about 4.30, maybe quarter to five. And the only time they complained was when we told them they had to get off the roof. They were like, it's not dark. It's not dark. Not dark for another hour and a half. We said, yeah, but we're going to quit. Why? <laughs> we, we didn't come this far to rest. They were a working machine. Six o'clock next morning, breakfast. 6.45, they're on the roof, waking up all the little kids in the girl's house. <laughs> and in two and a half days, they did this big, gigantic girl's home. And you'll see the pictures. It's gorgeous. They were not afraid to work. Our guys, not afraid to work either. Now, you'll see one picture on the video, and I thought it was funny because it does not represent Mr. Ed at all, but, but Sal takes a picture. Mr. Ed was sitting under the shade on the metal roof that was hotter in Hades during the day because he was totally exhausted. And I thought, Sal, you shouldn't have put that in because that does not represent Ed Hewish. He is a working machine. Matter of fact, all the men that went were just amazing. They showed the love of God with their hands. Those of you that know my son Andrew, he's not, a, he's not much of a talker, and he doesn't want to preach. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't want to do anything that requires being in front of anybody talking. 
But he loves to talk with his hands. Gabe Hewish loves to talk with his hands. Phil Kirchman loves to talk with his hands. Joshua, we had, we had three Joshuas. <laughs> we had two Jose's. So we just called them, hey, yous. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> but they were preparing the way. We as believers, this week especially, we need to prepare ourselves so that when we walk out of this door in a little bit, that we will be ready to do what the Lord has called us to do. To prepare the way for someone, for someone to come to Christ. And I don't believe it'll just be a one, not in our house or any other house, that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the Lord loves the lost and he's continually drawn. How many of you are thankful the Lord did not give up on you? Amen. How many of you were pretty much, you could, you could run, uh, uh, you, you, could, you could be right there next to Paul when he said, I'm the chief sinners of them all. Some of y'all, I know your story. Y'all were pretty chief sinners. But Jesus loved you so much that through a praying mother, father, brother, sister, pastor, friend, connect group, somebody you worked with, someone introduced you, and you heard, and in your hearing, your life changed. It didn't change because of religion. It changed because of an opportunity to have a personal relationship with Father God through his son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to read this story. It's one of my favorite stories in the New Testament. It's in Luke's gospel, chapter 19, 10 verses. Jesus enters into Jericho and was passing through the city, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was very rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was a small little man. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a tree to see him. For Jesus was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he stopped. He looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. For today, I must stay at your house. Wow. Think about the unbelievers in your life. Think about those who do not know Jesus. Their lives, whatever front they put on, their lives are in desperate need of the one who created them, the one who loves them, the one who adores them, the one who was willing the Father to give his only son. What Jesus did, and you've all read it, and you've heard it, and you've heard some of you uh, a Christmas or an Easter message every Easter and every Christmas your whole life. And sometimes if we're not careful, we get kind of calloused to what Jesus did. I've been reading a story about the silver chalice again. It's the third time I've read the book in my lifetime. It's the first 
Christian novel that I ever read. I was eight or nine years old. My mom gave me the book, 500 pages. And uh, it was a great story, and it gave me, it created in me a love for reading. I could see when I read this story what I'd never seen before. And I'm also reading another book uh, at the same time uh, about uh, the life of Joseph. And uh, it's a book written by one of our incredible ladies in our house. And it's a very thick book too. And it hasn't been uh, published yet. But I have been uh, so, uh, one, impressed with the writing, uh, two, the story of Rahab the harlot and how it came alive as I've read through, halfway through this book. And, uh, and oftentimes as we read in the uh, New Testament uh, at the end of all the Gospels of what Jesus did, and we've heard it over and over and over so many times that we become kind of calloused and cold towards the magnitude of what Jesus did. I mean, he died a horrible death. And before he ever got there, knowing what he was going to go through, he asked the Father one time, is it possible that you could do what you need to do without me drinking this cup. Nevertheless, your will be done. It wasn't a light thing that Jesus went to that cross. It wasn't a light thing, that beating that he took the night before they hung him. It wasn't a light thing when Jesus heard that John the Baptist, his cousin, had been beheaded. All of this in preparation. A preparing of the way for you and I to come to salvation. And for you and I to be the voice to help others find the way. Verse 6 it says that Zacchaeus immediately hurried and came down and received Jesus joyfully. And when the religious leaders saw it, they all grumbled. This rabbi, this teacher has gone to be the guest of a man <laughs> who is a sinner. You have any sinners in your life? We are called for such a time as this. This is our life. This is, this is our generation. This is our responsibility. If they're going to be saved, it's going to be because someone was willing to open their mouth and share your own story. Your story. Most of you don't realize how powerful your story is. I sat next to this man, Greg, probably late 40s, early 50s, never been out of America before, loves Jesus, precious Baptist brother. And he's telling me of how he came to the place to accept the challenge to go on this trip. 
and to do what he does, what he knows how to do, which is work with his hands. But in the midst of it, his life will have been forever impacted because he realized that the Lord would use him to touch people in the church, to touch people where they were staying, to touch people where they went to eat, to share the gospel. So all of this this morning is in preparation for you and I to go out this week, to walk out of these doors in the back of this auditorium with a sense of a calling. Think about it. How long has it been since you invited someone to the house of God? Have you looked for the opportunity? Have you acknowledged and recognized their divine appointments? Yesterday, a couple of our granddaughters were at the house and, and uh, I took Eva and we went for a ride in my little car to get a burger. I was craving a burger after coming home from Honduras. So we went to Bev's Burger in Alachua. Come on, somebody. For a double-double. Then I had to repent afterwards because I felt so bad. But while we were there, there, were, there was a basketball team, an AAU basketball team, and, and a bunch of people, and Eva and I ordered, and then we sat and waited for an hour for a burger. I won't do that again. But in the midst of it, I had several divine appointments. One of them happened to be with a basketball coach who had a group of young men there. They were playing, and he coaches up in Lake City, and we got to talking, and, and uh, he realized who I was, and then he asked about Coach Justin and said, I expect a phone call from Coach Justin this week, actually. He said he'll be calling and begging me for a game and, and uh, for, one of our team, for one of your teams. And, and out of it, we just started talking and sharing, and he started asking me about Scotty Wilbekin and Mitchell Wilbekin and Coach Pastor Savin and, and other men uh, and other families that are in our church that he had no idea were part of our church family. And, and, and I realized that he had been impacted by some of you. This week, we need to impact our community. We need to go out of here with a mindset that everywhere we go, the Lord might actually use you. At the gas station, at the grocery store, in your neighborhood, on your walk, wherever you are, wherever there's lost people and there's a whole bunch of them, that the Lord wants us to prepare the way. Zacchaeus came down, and when the religious people started complaining, Zacchaeus looked to Jesus and he said, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Listen to this. He did not walk down to an altar, pray, confess four easy steps to salvation. He simply acknowledged his sin by saying, I'm going to make things right. And Jesus declared this day, this moment, this hour, salvation has come to this man. He's come. What if the Lord could use you this week to touch someone in such a significant way that they're willing to come to a house of God, be moved by worship, 
and experienced hearing the simple gospel of how much Jesus loves them. Maybe they respond right away. Maybe they respond next month. Maybe they respond next Easter. But how will they be saved? What would have happened to Zacchaeus if Jesus would have just walked on by? What if he had kept walking and never stopped and looked up in that tree? What if he had never said, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to I dine with you, fellowship with you. We wouldn't be reading about Zacchaeus. Verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. So just like John, who came to prepare the way for Christ, we are called and commissioned to go. Franco preached that last Sunday, declared, challenged us as a people to go into all the world. And this might not be your time to get on a plane and go somewhere else around the world, but it is your time and my time to go in our community and just be the light. So you have a pastor, you don't know how, you know, my back's been hurting a lot. And I don't feel really good. The Lord can use you with a backache. The Lord can use you when you don't have enough money in your bank account. The Lord can use you when things are going rough in your marriage. And you get in your car and ride off to keep from exploding. The Lord can use you in crazy circumstances. So how will they hear unless someone invites them? And how will they be invited unless we're willing to go? And acknowledge, just like John the Baptist came to prepare the way, you and I, this is our time. This is why we're still alive. Not just to show back up in church next Sunday and sit in a, in a nice cushion uh, a chair and enjoy air condition, but it's to be the light and the salt that unbelievers need to experience, to hear, to see, to feel, to know. So Easter Sunday next week, and I want to encourage you to go tell somebody, invite somebody, bring somebody to the house of God with you. Just begin to ask the Lord today as you walk out of here, let me have one person. Think about it. If everybody in this room just brought one person, just one person. And what if one out of every 10 or one out of every 100 invited Jesus? And Pastor, one out of 100 is not very good. It is for that one. It is for that one. You, you, you heard the story of the boy that came along on the beach and, and there were all of these uh, fish, uh, flying fish or whatever they were called, uh, 
on the beach and, and uh, he looked at them, they're flapping around and, and so he begins to grab one and throw it back in the sea and grab another one, throw it back in the sea and grab another and yet there's thousands of them on the beach and some, some older adult comes along and says, what are you doing? And he said, I'm, I'm trying to save these. And he said, yeah, but, but, but you're, you're not going to be able to do it. He said, I am for this one as he threw it back into the sea. See, there's somebody out there that this week can be a forever changing, eternal week for their life. So believe for divine appointments. Ask God. Ask God to give you someone that you can impart good news. Good news. I don't know about you, but I like good news. We landed the other night at Gainesville Airport at 5 till 12. And we stop. The pilot stops the plane. And for a minute, we're just sitting there. People are getting antsy. I already got my seatbelt off. I'm ready to go. And he says, uh, just need everybody to stay seated with their seatbelts on because uh, we got to wait for them to send out the crew to receive the plane. It's 12 o'clock midnight in Gainesville. I'm not talking about Miami Airport. <laughs> There's only one plane that's landed, our plane. Where are the guys that are supposed to prepare the way for us to get off this plane? 12 minutes. We're sitting there. Character is being developed in my life. I'm having to remind myself, people know me on this plane, and I'm a man of God. I can't be going crazy. <laughs> I wasn't feeling good. I'm tired. I went off the plane. Twelve minutes. I'm thinking, where is this crew of two? And finally, the plane starts inching back in. We get off the plane and walk out the door. And as I walk out of the, of the little concourse at our little Gainesville airport, there's nobody in the lobby flying out because there ain't nobody going. Planes are all asleep. One of our police officers might be here this morning, was working at the airport. And... I was thinking, I'm so glad I didn't lose it on that plane. <laughs> I'm so glad that one of the police officers from the Rocket Gainesville didn't have to come on the plane <laughs> and escort me out. <laughs> that would not be preparing the way, the way the Lord would have us to prepare. <laughs> but there is a preparing, and we're it. And I say to you this morning, you're commissioned to walk out of this place representing the gospel of Jesus. And as highly as you think of John the Baptist, he was and is no more anointed than you are. Wow. To do what you can do that John the Baptist couldn't do. Why? Because this is our generation. Amen? Would you stand with me, please? I want to pray over us this morning. As we accept the calling, the preparation, and the commissioning to do what we've been called to do.
I want to invite the prayer team to come down because after I'm through praying, we'll make room for a few minutes to minister to any needs that are here this morning in this house, to pray with you and for you, over you. These are not perfect people that are down here praying for you. They're just people being perfected in Christ. They got faith and belief that when they pray, God will hear our prayers. But before we open this for you to come down, I want to pray for all of us that are willing to accept the commission that Jesus gave to go into all the world. And our world church is Gainesville, Florida and all the surrounding little communities. If our house is going to be filled with unbelievers next week, it's going to be because we went and did what we were called to do. Can more than two of you say amen to that? If you're willing to pray and say, Lord, use me this week, I want you to bow your head, lift up your hands, let me pray over you this morning. Father, in the name of the Lord, we so remember the price you paid for us on Calvary, for our salvation, for our healing, for our deliverance, for our freedom, and for the hope of the resurrection and eternal life. And today, Lord, I stretch my hand over this amazing family that you brought into this place called the Rock of Gainesville. And I pray, Father, a fresh anointing to be on them. I, I pray for a fresh boldness to be stirred in their hearts and their minds and, and their desire to, to be about your business, to go out of here today and, and today or tomorrow or someday this week. Father, have that divine appointment, opportunity to share their story and then invite someone that doesn't know you to the house of God. And we pray, Father, that as they are, their hearts are being prepared even to receive a friend, a story, a testimony, Lord, we know that they'll not be saved unless you, Holy Spirit, prepare their hearts. And so as you prepare the way, anoint us to do the same in our community for the purpose of seeing Christ glorified and souls saved. I declare this over all of us in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.